I ever wanted to. Um, and if you've moved, you know how miserable that whole process is. Um, and I have helped more people move than I've ever wanted to help move. And one of the, one of the frustrating things, okay, so this is just a little moving venting here. One of the frustrating things about moving is moving really heavy things upstairs, okay? So like a sleeper sofa. You've never moved a sleeper sofa upstairs, you've missed living, right? Because you're not going to move a sleeper sofa, sofa upstairs by yourself. All right, there may be some people on the planet who can, um, but most of us would never pull that off. Now, you can have two people move a sleeper sofa, uh, and if you're on the bottom, you've got to be really strong. Uh, it, it's doable, but it's not any fun. Now, if you have wide enough stairs and you have four people who do it, you can, you can pull it off, right? Still not fun. But here's something that's really aggravating in that. When you have four people moving a heavy object upstairs like that, and one of them's not really doing anything... <laughs> I know nobody in here has ever done that, but it's like, why are you even here, right? And so what's even worse is when they decide, well, I really can't help, and they stand off and watch. That's, that's, even, that's even worse, right? So there's this, this aggravation with that, uh, because we agreed as a team we were going to take this sofa upstairs and end up not being a team effort. Right? We've been talking about teamwork, and we've been, uh, we've been talking about working together and why that matters. And, and what happens is, is that if not everybody is doing their part, then the team does not reach its full potential. Kind of talked about that last week. So today we're going to move on and talk about why it really matters. Why, why is it so important that teams work together especially those who are followers of Jesus. And so we're going to look at what Jesus said in John 17. This is the high priestly prayer. And uh, it was uh, the night that Jesus was betrayed. Uh, the last prayer that he had, John gives us a very uh, long, clear picture of what he prayed. And the first part of the prayer, he prays for himself. He prays that the Father would glorify him so that the Father would be glorified. The second part of the prayer, he prays for the disciples, um, that they would be strong and that the Father would protect them. But then in the last part of the prayer, he prays for you and me. He prays for us. He prays for all of those who come to know, know him through the disciples' teaching. So if you look with me in John chapter 17, verse 20, it's on page 1084 for using the Pew Bible. John 17, 20. So as I read this, I, I want to remind you that this is what Jesus is praying for you and for me. John 17, 20, page 1084 in the Pew Bible. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who have given me to be with me, that you have given to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. 
Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Okay. Jesus is praying for all of Christians, everyone who chooses to follow him. And he is there, and this is the last prayer he's going to pray uh, before the cross. And, and so he's, he, he's going before the Father one last time. And you're going to think, what would Jesus pray for all of us? I think he might pray that we would have courage to tell everybody about him. He might pray that we would tell so many people that the whole world would come to know him. He would pray that, that God would guide us and we would listen. But it's interesting to think, when Jesus prayed for us, he prayed the same word two different times. He prayed that we would be one. That we'd be completely unified. To find it in there. I believe it was verse 23. All right? And we would be one. Of all the things that Jesus prayed, he prayed that his followers would be a unit. That they would work together. There's so many other things he could have said. But he said, Father, make them one. Make them one. I think about why, why would Jesus do that? Why would that be the prayer? It wasn't for our protection like the disciples. It, it wasn't for our courage. It, it wasn't that we would go and tell her. It was that we would be one. Because Jesus knew that the world would struggle with being unified. And my goodness, if we can't see that in 2019... The world doesn't understand unity. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, the reason Jesus prayed it was so that everybody would know that he came from the Father. That somehow our being one would make a difference to the whole world. And so he called us to be a team. To work together. One of the frustrating things as a, as a pastor and uh, watching other churches and sometimes this one, is we get ministries going and all the ministries are out there doing their thing. But nobody's accomplishing the same purposes. And what happens in that, in churches that do that, what happens is those ministries become the most important thing to whoever's in that ministry, and it doesn't matter how it affects the whole. And what has to happen is that a team has to work together, or you never get the sofa upstairs. A team has to work together. And for a team to accomplish the purposes that God has for them, then, then there has to be a unity of direction, a unity of goal, a unity of what we're trying to accomplish. And that is just key. And so Jesus knew that. And of all the things that he could have prayed right before he was arrested, he prayed that we would be one. That we would have a common direction and a common goal. And that we would work together to accomplish it. That's key. So I got a quick video. We're going to have some fun with this today. Uh, I got a video I'm going to show you. Uh, these are some advertisements through the years um, that stress teamwork. They might look familiar. Okay, come on, everyone. We're behind schedule. You know what's got to be done. Move it, move it, move it. Hey, you there. Pick up the pace. They're falling behind. Stop it. 
너네 또 나. Now, first of all, I'm going to say, if you know the song in that last one, you're old. All right? That's the theme from Sanford and Son. That's the, the song that plays when my garage door goes up. Um, you'll think about that and get it later. All right? So, um, but in, in every one, and, and I know they're simple and they're silly, but everybody had to work together or the goal was not accomplished. All right? And so, again, think about this reality. Jesus prayed for us, and he prayed that we would be one, that we would be unified. What happens, though, in a team like those, if somebody decides they're going to go a different direction, then it messes up the whole work. And so there is this reality that we do what we do for one simple reason, for the honor and glory of King Jesus. And the idea is, is, as Jesus prayed for us, he prayed that we would be one because we are connected to the Father and the Son. And as being connected to the Father and Son, we would have a common goal and purpose because we're listening to the Spirit. You ever thought about that? There are two people looking at the same passages of Scripture. And there's a disagreement on what it says. Somebody's wrong. And it could be they're both wrong. Because there's only one right interpretation of Scripture, and that's God's. Hear me say that clearly. And so, as we work as a team, as we pursue God's purposes and God's goals, it is the idea that we are in relationship with Christ, pursuing Him and having the Spirit guide us. And so, when the Spirit is working on two different people, the Spirit's not going to guide two people in different directions. It's not going to happen. Somebody's not listening, or maybe both are not listening. 
But see, when we're one, God shows off. When the followers of Jesus work together as a team, God shows off. Incredible stories of life change happen. Not because we're so awesome, but because He is. And we make it about Him. Okay? So there's a second thing that I want us to see in this. And I've already mentioned it, but, but I want you to, Jesus says it twice. The end of verse 21, he asked that we be one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And at the end of 23, then the world, because of complete unity, will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And what Jesus says, when his followers are unified, when his followers are connected with the same purpose and the same vision, and and there's a unity, that the world will know that Jesus was sent by the Father. Think about that. In unity, people look at us and they see that Jesus was sent by the Father. I don't know how that all adds up. But there's a very clear reality in our world today that unity is not what happens. Unity is not what takes place. There is not a oneness in the world. And so when the world looks at the followers of Jesus and sees division, the world says, well, they're just like everybody else. I'm already divided enough. I don't need to be a part of something else that's divided. And that's what's going on in the world. And it's so frustrating and so aggravating to watch as Christians become more and more and more divided. And it's just ripping my heart out. Because the world's not seeing us as one. The world's not knowing that Jesus came from the Father. Not my words, Jesus' words. So, talk a little bit about this and... Uh, I want to be very careful uh, to not go overboard and uh, because what I'm talking about is a belief system that is contrary to my own. So it's very easy for me to get very negative. Um, so I'm going to do my best not to do that. But one of the things that's going on in American Christianity, and this may be new news for you and it may not, um, and it happened to a church not far from here not too long ago. That there is a group of people who have determined that they understand the Scripture perfectly. All right? And so, let me tell you, there is no one more dangerous than someone who has all the answers. In Christianity, that is especially true. And so what happens is, is this group of people in their belief system, what they've determined is that their belief system is just as important as God. And if you don't have their belief system, then you don't believe the Bible, and you really don't love God at all. All right? That's not everyone in this belief system, so let me make that clear, but it is a percentage. And so what happens is, is that pastors come to churches, and the churches interview them, and they say, well, I believe the Bible, which is the right thing to say. They don't tell what they believe about the Bible. And so over time, what happens is, is they begin to implement their belief system that everybody else has to believe, and if the staff doesn't believe it, they're, they're gone. They're fired. If the people don't believe it, well, they can leave too. It doesn't matter because they're wrong. 
And what's happening is this division is sweeping the country. It is phenomenal. Haven't seen anything like it before. And it's terrifying. But here's the sad part. Not only that that happens, but the enemy doesn't even have to work hard. The enemy says, you know what? I'll just let the Christians be the Christians because they're messing the whole thing up themselves. I can work on something else. Because there is this division that is so deep and so powerful and so incredibly scary that the world doesn't see a oneness in following Christ. And the world wants nothing to do with us. That's true. It's very true. Okay, so again, I want to make it clear that not everyone in that belief system is that way. Um, but there is a group of people who are very much committed to that. Uh, that the only logical belief system is the one that they have. So here, here's what I've learned over this journey of my lifetime. Is the more that I learn about Scripture and about God, the more I realize how little I know. And the more I realize I have the potential to be wrong in some things. And when you lose that, you stop being teachable and pliable. And you become a Pharisee. A new Pharisee. Right? So I I do want to tell you a a couple of things. One is, um, the elders, we have talked about this extensively. And I want you to know there are systems in place to prevent that from happening here. So let's just hypothetically say Doug's killed in a car wreck this week. What's going to happen? Uh, there are systems in place to prevent that from happening here and that division taking place. Just want you to know. And we've, we've talked a lot about it. We spent a lot of time on it. And, and that's there. Um, but please understand, and, and I know this is probably for many of you like, what is he talking about? It's big news. Right? And it's happening all over the country. But here's what's happening. Is that the world is seeing us as divided. I have friends who are of that belief system. And uh, we get along fine. We just agree to disagree. Uh, They are not of the group that I talked about. One of those guys posted something on Facebook a couple weeks ago. And it was asking a question about their belief system. And the way he wrote it, I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to attack him. And sure enough, they did. People of that belief system from all over the country just began to tell him how horrible he was. Person after person after person, how dare you ask questions? It was just awful. I mean, it's like, whoa, in Jesus' name. So I sent him a message and I said, listen, I know you and I disagree. And uh, there are things we disagree about, but please know I know you're my brother in Christ. And if you ever need to talk, I'm here. Because that's what unity does. And, and it's so important for us to understand that Jesus, when he prayed, he could have prayed a million things, but he said, I want them to be one because the world needs to see the unity. The world needs to see the unity. Now, please don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you to stop thinking and just believe everything I say. Nothing could be further from the truth. You need to study the scripture on your own and be led by the Spirit just like I do. I don't have all the answers. I am not a biblical encyclopedia. I promise. I'm not a theological encyclopedia. So you need to study on your own. And you need to have the connection with Christ where he guides you and he leads you to proper belief. 
right? We can instruct and we can direct and we can help, but, but please know this does not skirt any responsibility from you. Right? I mean, that's part of what's happening all over the country is the people in the pews don't know what they believe. Until it's too late, they don't realize how far wrong things are. Okay? So, uh, please don't skirt your responsibility, but, but understand, Jesus prayed for us to be one so that the world could see that the Father sent him. So, really, the, the thing I want to point out today is this. And it's two things about this place. You need to understand how blessed we are in this community. Right? This is not a reflection of, of me. I'm not talking about how great I am. But you know, I stand up here every Sunday. And every Sunday, I have sold out Democrats sitting near sold-out Republicans. And it doesn't matter. Because we're here to celebrate the king. We come here every Sunday. We have adults who never finished high school worshiping with people who are very educated. Because it's all about the king. That doesn't happen many places. You, you, you need to hear me say that. If you go to the suburbs, it's not that way. It's a rarity. Okay? You, you have people who do relatively well financially, and you have people who are dependent on other people to make it. All worshiping here together. You have theologically, you have, you have people who are five-point Calvinists and people who are strong Arminians. And if you don't know what that means, they're opposites, theologically, sitting in this room worshiping together. You need to celebrate that. And you need to realize it's not that way in most places. And I've told you through the years, uh, I've served in a lot of churches, and, and every pastor says his church is loving, but this one really is. I don't know how you've done it. I don't know how you pulled it off. I know it's not my fault. It was here before I got here. But it's phenomenal to see all of this diversity come together and be able to function together as a team. It is unbelievable. And so you need to celebrate that. You need to embrace that. You need to enjoy that and realize, as I'm sure you have, that there are people you disagree with sitting in this room about certain things, but it's okay. Because this is about the king. It's about worshiping him. And the second thing that you need to see about it is you need to do everything to protect it. You need to pray for it, and you need to make sure it never goes away. Because I'm telling you, the enemy is celebrating today because of what's going on in churches all over the country. That the divisions that have been created by the Christians are just horribly embarrassing and horribly ridiculous. And it's causing people to run away from the king and run away from the kingdom. God has been so faithful to care for us and to keep us united. God has been so good to make sure that we continue on this journey together. 
Protect it and make it a priority. Make it a part of your journey. And here's another idea. If you find people have different ideas than you do, listen. You might actually learn something. And you may walk away from the table and say, you know what, I disagree with that person, but I still love that person. The world doesn't have that. Our country is more divided now than it's ever been, probably since the Civil War. It's mostly intellectual now, but it's getting beyond that in some, some places and some situations. And Jesus prayed for us that we would be one so that the world could see him. Right? So all of this is not about you and me. It's not about us getting it right. It's about pointing people to the king. It's about making him the first priority and making him what really matters. So, oneness, unity, working together. You don't work together, penguins die. Right? Crabs get eaten by birds. Don't be the one who's not on the team. Don't be the one who's fighting against the system. Work together. Let God take us and use us for his honor and his glory. So that, as he said, the world would know that the Father sent him. Right? Let's pray. Father, I thank you.